what is good, everyone, and welcome back to the Mayo Media Network. My name's Griffin Swanson, and I'm here to break down the Monday night football slate between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Got a couple of prize picks that I want to talk with you guys, as well as break down my spreadsheet for the DraftKings Showdown. But before we do that, don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button. The Mayo Media Network has football content coming out Monday through Sunday all season long. You don't want to miss out on any of that. And for you podcast people, head on over to the Apple Pods. You can find the content there. Leave a five-star review while you're at it. But all right, folks, enough with the intro already. We like it short and sweet. Let's dive into prize picks here. All right, so I'm on the prizepicks.com website here now. First and foremost, if you have not signed up yet for prize picks and you want to do so, make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. Now, again, you don't have to put 100 bucks in. You want to put in 50, they'll match 50. You want to put in 20, they'll match that as well. Whatever you prefer to put in, they'll match that up to $100. And it's really free money. As soon as you put your deposit in, prize picks matches that right away. You don't have to play any contests like some of these other sites make you do to earn that money back. No. As soon as you put your deposit in, PrizePix sends that to you right away, and you're really playing with house money right off the bat. So again, just make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. Now, I do got two picks that I like here for this Monday night slate. The first one is going to be a rushing prop, and we're going to go with the Green Bay Packers running back. Probably not the one that you're thinking, actually, though. We're going to go with A.J. Dillon here, over 17.5 rushing yards. I can't believe it's this low. Look, I know he's not the starter, and he might only touch the ball anywhere from five to nine times in this game, but I think that's enough to get over 17.5 rushing yards against a pretty weak defense here in the Detroit Lions. I'm looking at two different sites here in the projections for Monday night. One site has A.J. Dillon at 38.6 rushing yards, and the other one here has him at 36.65. Both double of what he is here on prize picks. So I'm going to take the over on that. Again, I know he's not the starter, but I look back at Jamal Williams from last year took a look at some of his stats as well he hit the over as the backup running back for the Packers in 12 of 18 games so that was really encouraging as well now look I know he's not Jamal Williams either but playing as the number two running back here for the Green Bay Packers should lead him to enough opportunity to hit the over here especially if the Packers are playing with a lead which I suspect they will be he'll probably touch the ball even a little bit more in the second half and in the fourth quarter and then the other prize pick that I like here is going to be a receiving prop so let's head on over to that scroll all the way to the bottom here I'm going to take the top receiver out of Green Bay Devontae Adams and take the over there at 85 and a half receiving yards now look I know that's a big number and if he does hit the over he's likely having himself a pretty damn good game but is it really that crazy to think that he does hit the over there against a really bad Detroit Lions defense we saw Debo Samuel absolutely shred that defense last weekend I think Devontae Adams is going to do the same you know there's a little intuition on this one as well because we all know that the Packers got throttled last week by the New Orleans Saints. They didn't even look like a legitimate football team. Not a team that went 13-3 and last year, uh, to say the least. So I'm going to take the over on this, not because he's projected for 115 yards, but more so because this is one of the best wide receivers in the game, playing against one of the worst defenses, and the Green Bay Packers are going to come out guns a-blazing, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if he sees 10-15 to targets in this game. At the very least, I think he sees 10, with the upside of 
fantasy in 50. So I'm going to take the over there, even though it is a big number. I think Devontae Adams absolutely smashes the Lions on Monday night. So to recap here, I got two different picks. A.J. Dillon over 17 and a half rushing yards. Devontae Adams over 85 and a half receiving yards. And we can approach this two different ways, the flex play or the power play. If you go the power play route, you will need both picks to hit, but it does increase the payout. Again, if you're going to be signing up for prize picks, make sure you use code MMN for up to a $100 match deposit. But all right, folks, let's dive into this spreadsheet here next. Now, as always, with these spreadsheets, first thing I want to mention, I'll list out those Vegas odds here in the top left-hand corner. You can see Green Bay is a heavy, heavy home favorite at minus 675. Detroit Lions there at plus 475. And an over-under there, 49 points as well. So definitely looks like there's a little bit of shootout potential in this game. So far, the Thursday night game and Monday night games have been absolutely great. Let's hope that this one is the exact same way. Like I said, I do think the Green Bay Packers have a bit of a chip on their shoulder here and come out and throttle the Detroit Lions. I think the money line is speaking for that as well. And then listing out those stats from 2020 when it comes to showdowns as well. Six quick stats that I want to touch on to help you build your lineup. So let me move my fat head out of the way here. Stat number one, 92% of all showdown lineups rostered at least one quarterback last year. And of the top 1% lineups, 96% did that as well. Number two, 33% of all lineups rostered a wide receiver at captain. And of the top 1% lineups, 31.4% did as well. Number three there, 57% of the top 1% lineups rostered a captain from the team favored to win. Uh, so the Green Bay Packers for sure in this matchup. Four, run it back. An opposing quarterback, wide receiver, or tight end was included in 88.9% of winning lineups that rostered a quarterback, wide receiver, or tight end from the other team at captain. Number five there, ignore defense and kickers in the captain spot. Very rarely does that work. Only 1.1% of the time last year in the top 1% of lineups. And number six there, don't play more than two kickers or defenses in the same lineup. Usually one is fine unless it's projected to be a really low scoring game. Then you could probably get a little more unique and put two of those in there. But now we're going to dive into my favorite place here, kicking it off with the captains. For those of you who are new to this video here, or at least the spreadsheet, I like to list out a captain from both sides of this game. Now, it probably makes sense to roster someone in the captain spot from the Green Bay Packers. Again, the third statistic there, 57% of the top 1% lineups from 2020 rostered a captain from the team favored to win. Looking at the money line here, Packers are heavy favorites at minus 675. So yes, the right way to approach this is probably putting in someone from the Green Bay Packers, but I like to play a little bit of devil's advocate and mention someone from both sides. Now, the first captain that we have there is going to be Devontae Adams. Flat out best play on this slate here. The best player as well, probably has the safest floor and the highest ceiling. In fact, it's probably not even up for debate at this point. Probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Again, that's my opinion, and we're not going to get into that conversation, but he's certainly the best wide receiver in this game here. I wouldn't be shocked if he sees 10 plus targets in this game. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and target him right away early and often. He has the upside to score multiple touchdowns as well. We saw it last year several times. He'd go for two, three touchdowns. He's got a 30-point, 40-point ceiling as well, and so that's really intriguing to me. Uh, he is the most expensive player on this slate, but that really doesn't concern me. I'm going to try and get him in as many lineups as possible and fit him in the captain spot as well. Yeah, I mentioned it during the prize picks too. Debo Samuel absolutely shredded that Detroit Lions secondary last week. Devontae Adams is far more talented than Debo, and he has a much better quarterback throwing him the ball as well. Now, if you do want to get a little creative with your 
your lineups and put someone in from the Lions side in the captain spot, DeAndre Swift is the guy for me. You know, his usage is going to be a little bit different than the typical running back. We kind of saw that last week with the Lions playing from behind on the 49ers, but this guy saw 11 targets in the passing game, had eight receptions and 24.4 DraftKings points. I'm not suggesting he's going to get another double-digit target night here, but really good to see that Jared Goff is not afraid to dump it down to his running backs. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you can see here Jamal Williams, the backup running back to Detroit, had nine targets himself. Between the two, they combined for 20 targets in that game, and Tyrell Williams, technically the number one wide receiver in that offense, is already listed as out with a concussion, so I think these guys are going to get involved in the passing game right away again, especially considering I do suspect that the Green Bay Packers are going to be playing with a lead. So, like I said, it's probably not ideal to put someone in from the line side in your captain spot. They certainly don't have the same type of ceiling as someone like Devontae Adams, uh, but if you do want to get a little contrarian, DeAndre Swift is the guy for me just considering the usage that he has in the passing game with Jared Goff. Now moving on down here to the flex plays. First guy I got there is Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to be playing a lot of Devontae Adams in the captain spot or even in the flex spot, it makes sense to pair him up with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of correlation there, obviously. And I mentioned it earlier, I'm expecting no mercy from this Packers team against the Detroit Lions, considering they got absolutely throttled last week by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't look like the guy who won MVP last season, but the talent is on obviously there. The experience is obviously there. And this is a guy who's notoriously played well against the Lions over the course of his career. He averages 257 passing yards per game and two touchdowns per game against the Lions. I by all means think he gets there once again on Monday night. Wouldn't be shocked if he goes over 300 passing yards and has three plus touchdowns as well. And hell, Devontae Adams could end up catching all of those. But I like the correlation between the two. I think if you are going to be playing one guy, whether it be Aaron Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams in the captain spot, you should probably pair them up with the other guy. So just play those two together to say the least. Now directly below that, I got Aaron Jones, another stud player in this Packers offense. Yeah, I want to start with this. I've done some dummy and mock lineups here for Monday night already, trying to put Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams in the same lineup. It doesn't matter who you put in the captain spot. It is tough to do because you're really not left with a whole lot of money left over. Is it doable? Yes, by all means. You can make it work, but just know you're not going to have a lot of salary left for the rest of your lineup. So just wanted to start with that um, because obviously those are really the top three players in this game here for Monday night, but by all means, I think they're all viable and realistically, you could put any one of those three in the captain spot. Like I said, Devontae Adams just has the safest floor and the highest ceiling. So even though he is priced as the highest player on this slate, I definitely don't mind going to him. Now, Aaron Jones here shouldn't have any issue against this Lions defense either. We saw the 49ers running backs absolutely tear them apart as well, and those were the backup running backs for the 49ers. Raheem Mostert got injured right away in the game. Trey Sermon didn't even suit up, and so this was the third and fourth string running backs that were kind of tearing them apart. You can see the numbers there. 49ers running backs had 127 rushing yards and two touchdowns on 23 attempts. That's it. So I know that A.J. Dillon is going to get involved in this game. Like I said, I really like him as a prize pick here, uh, but Aaron Jones should have no issue beating this Lions defense either. We saw him absolutely shred them back in week three last season, and this Lions defense 
didn't get any better. They probably got worse during the offseason. So like I said, I like Aaron Jones. I like Aaron Rodgers. I like Devontae Adams. Realistically, any one of those three could be put in the captain spot. It is going to be tough to play all three together, uh, but it's certainly doable there as well. Next, we got TJ Hawkinson there, the tight end for the Detroit Lions. Looking to be Jared Goff's favorite target right out the gate. Came out last week, had 11 targets, 8 receptions, scored a touchdown, believe he had 90-something receiving yards, and finished with 25.7 DraftKings points. So he's going to get peppered with targets once again in this game. Like I said earlier, Tyrell Williams is listed as out with a concussion, and the wide receivers are pretty grim here for the Detroit Lions, essentially making Hawkinson the number one pass catcher. I expect Goff to lean on him quite a bit in this game as well. If you wanted to go with someone outside of DeAndre Swift in the captain spot, I think TJ Hawkinson would make sense. Like I said, it probably just makes sense to go with a Packers player in the captain spot, but TJ Hawkinson looked really good last week, and Jared Goff is not going to be afraid to lean on him. Certainly don't mind him at this price tag here, a $9,600. Now the next pick here, Jamal Williams. Do we have a little revenge game narrative brewing up there? I'm not entirely sure. This guy seems like the most happy-go-lucky dude on this earth. You listen to him during interviews, and he's just hysterical. Seems happy 24-7, so I don't know if he's the type of guy that wants to get revenge on anybody. Uh, but if he were to, this would be the game. The Green Bay Packers, who just let him go after several years, Detroit Lions pick him up. And outside of the revenge game narrative, the game script might make sense here for Jamal Williams, just like DeAndre Swift. You know, these guys were trailing severely last week to the 49ers. They come out in the second half, just throw the ball basically the rest of the game. And it kind of worked out for him. We saw him playing catch up, and I thought, man, there might be a chance here where they tie this game up. Ultimately, they didn't, but Jamal Williams. Williams and DeAndre Swift both got heavily involved in the passing game. You know, I talked about it earlier. We saw Jamal Williams get nine targets in that game, had eight receptions, and finished with 25 DraftKings points, slightly more than DeAndre Swift. Now, I by all means still prefer DeAndre Swift. He's far more talented, uh, but don't mind Jamal Williams here at $7,200. So whether or not you want to go with the revenge game narrative or just the projected game script where the Lions are playing from behind, I think Jamal Williams does make sense in this matchup here especially considering how involved he was in the passing game last week against the 49ers. The next three guys that I got here then are all Green Bay Packers pass catchers. We got Robert Tanyan, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I'm going to call him MVS throughout this, and Alan Lazard. Started off there with Robert Tanyan, the tight end for the Packers. Not a guy I expect to get a lot of volume in this game. I think five to seven targets is probably his ceiling, and he should see anywhere from three to five if I had to guess, but I love the touchdown upside that he has. It's a guy who scored 11 touchdowns last year and Rodgers definitely looks for him once they get into the red zone and towards the goal line. Again, I expect Devontae Adams to eat up a lot of the target share this week and a lot of red zone looks, but Robert Tanyan's probably the number two pass catcher once they get down into the red zone. So it really comes down to the touchdown upside for me. He had a touchdown in each of the games last year against the Lions as well. And again, this is a secondary and a defense that really doesn't scare me. So Robert Tanyan's definitely going to be a consideration, especially at a pretty cheap price tag there, a $6,400. Then we got MVS and Alan Lazard here. Honestly, they're probably interchangeable. Technically, MVS here is listed as a number two wide receiver on the depth chart. However, 
Lazard did play more snaps last week than MVS. It, it was a slight difference, uh, but he saw 68.4% of the snap count. So definitely getting significant enough time to play him at that price tag there of $4,800. The thing with MVS is the ceiling's a little bit greater in my opinion because this is a guy who could realistically score a touchdown from 40-50 yards out. He's going to see a few deep balls in this game, whereas Alan Lazard plays a little bit more with those intermediate routes. Yes, he can have a 20-25 plus point game as well, uh, but it's not going to happen all that often, and it's not going to happen all that often with MVS either. You're kind of just banking on a long touchdown pass, and he very well could do that. It was encouraging, though, to see him get eight targets last week, albeit the Packers were basically playing from behind the entire game. Uh, that was encouraging. So I like both of these guys here as kind of a number two, three pass catcher in that offense. If you're looking for the touchdown upside, Robert Tanyan does make sense. Uh, but if you're playing Aaron Rodgers in general, it makes sense to stack him up with a couple of his pass catchers, maybe even three of them. And then the last two guys that I got here, two wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. If you are going to be paying up for guys like Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers in the same lineup, you're going to have to pivot down and pay for low price guys like this to fill out the rest of your lineup. First one we got there is Khalif Raymond. He should be the number one wide receiver in this offense, considering that Tyrell Williams is now out with a concussion. By all means, TJ Hawkinson still the number one pass catcher, but in regards to wide receivers, Khalif Raymond led all wide receivers for the Lions last week with a 75% snap count. He had four targets in that game and 50 receiving yards, by no means a great game, but at least he's out there on the field and running a lot of routes. And so at $4,400, I don't mind that. St. Brown here is a lot more intriguing to me considering the price savings that you do get. You save $2,000 by going from Raymond to St. Brown here. And St. Brown played the second most snaps of any Lions wide receiver last week in his rookie debut. So that's really encouraging. And actually, Goff just missed him in the first quarter for a long touchdown pass as well. Had he been able to hit him in the numbers, St. Brown was gone for a TD. So had he scored that, he'd probably be priced closer to the 4K range, but I'm going to take him at the discount here at $2,400. It is kind of hard to judge this Lions offense outside of TJ Hawkinson, Jamal Williams, and DeAndre Swift. I think those three are locked into their positions, uh, but the wide receiver group is a little bit messy. Uh, we got Quintez Cephas there as well. Between him, Raymond, and St. Brown, they're all projecting very similarly, uh, but I do prefer Raymond and St. Brown myself. St. Brown is probably my number one target considering the price that you get there and the deep look that he got last week. All right, everyone, that is going to wrap up the video here for today. As always, thank you all for taking the time out of your day to watch these videos. I really do appreciate that. Don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button. I mentioned it earlier, but Pat and his team at the Mayo Media Network have content coming out all week long, Monday through Sunday for the NFL season, amongst many other sports as well. So you don't want to miss out on any of that. And again, for those of you who do want to sign up for prize picks, make sure you use code MMN upon sign up for up to a $100 match deposit. Let's have a great day here, folks. Hopefully you were able to win some money on Sunday and let's keep that rolling into Monday as well. I'm out of here. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy LQ, Mr. Real Deal Fantasy HQ, and this is the Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks. Make sure you guys sign up today and use promo code MMN. You guys will be set up for success, and they're matching up to 100 bucks on your deposit, so go do it now. It's not too late. You can still do it right now. Promo code MMN. You guys will be able to bring home the gold. Have a great show today. Got recap highlights. I got some injury reports. I got some 
waiver wire ads that you need to be adding right now as you're watching this video. And I got, unfortunately, the panic button. Basically what it is, it's going to give you my levels of concern on some of these players. Are we going to panic? Are we going to trade them, cut them, bench them, et cetera, et cetera? That should be fun once we get into that later into the show. So let's jump right into it. Let's not waste any more time. So let's start with the highlights. Cooper Cup. This is not a homer pick. He really killed it today. He had 169 yards, two touchdowns. Matthew Stafford is hitting on all cylinders with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is looking like top 10. I'm just going to say it right now. If this keeps up throughout the season, he could be top five or wide receiver one. I don't know. But back-to-back games, 100-yard games, and he's finding the end zone. He's looking like the man. He's Stafford's definitely number one target right now. Matthew Stafford is looking great. Sean McVay's opened up that playbook like we all knew what was going to happen. The complete upgrade at quarterback, it is showing. So Cooper Cup had himself a day. Now, moving on to Tyler Lockett. He locked it up today, man. He's showing up. Russell Wilson finding him on another deep pass. Put up 151 yards and one touchdown. That was a hell of a game. I definitely want to shout out the Titans defense. They played it right to the wire. Russell Wilson is still the guy. He's going to find Tyler Lockett downfield if you give him opportunity. So hopefully this keeps up all the way into December. Because you know how Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, they start off hot in the beginning of the season, and then once we get into the colder weather, December to be specific, the kitchen's closed. So moving on, Cortland Sutton, bounce back season. I'm so proud of him today. 159 yards. Teddy Bridgewater was finding his man. Cortland Sutton putting up big fantasy points today. I definitely think Cortland Sutton is well past the injury. He's ready to step up as a wide receiver one that we knew he was. Man, he had himself a day. I was really excited to see that he's healthy, seeing that he's playing up to a higher level than we thought, you know, going into this offseason. We thought he was going to start off slow. We thought, you know, Jerry Judy was going to blow him out of the water, et cetera, et cetera. But unfortunately, Jerry Judy is facing injury right now. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. But Cortland Sutton stepping up, showing up and showing out today, which is amazing to see. Moving on to another storyline that's been going on for the last two weeks, back practically the entire last year, actually. Tony Pollard put up 109 yards on the ground, and he showed some PPR upside catching passes out of backfield. Zeke, he had a good game as well. He had 71 yards, but what is really what we really need to focus on is that these two running backs can coexist. They both put up fantasy points today. You know, Tony Pollard put up a little bit more fantasy points and yards, et cetera, et cetera, but I'm not panicking on Zeke yet, but we'll get into that later into the show when we get to the panic button show segment. So, again, Tony Pollard put up 109 yards. He's looking good. These two running backs can coexist. Dak is looking great, coming out with a win over the Chargers. I definitely think, you know, Tony Pollard should be a solid flex play week to week as long as Dak and that offense is moving forward. So, again, Zeke, he had a good game as well. I'm not going to be hating on Zeke like how everybody else was the past two weeks. So those are my highlighted guys that I just wanted to give a quick shout out for. You guys probably been having them on your starting lineup, so you know exactly how they did. But we're moving on to the injury recap. This is the worst part of the show. I hate reporting injuries. I hate reporting a lot of injuries at that. And some of these guys, man, it's just very unfortunate that they go down the way they do. But let's start off with Tua going down with a rib injury in the first quarter, which is very unfortunate for the Dolphins, who got shut out by the Bills 35-0. They did not put one point on the board. That offense did not look great with Jacoby Brissett stepping in as a starting quarterback. And I definitely feel for Tua, man. He's faced injury basically since the beginning of his career in college, of course. And it's 
like, ah, man, Tua, we want you to get back on the field. Speedy recovery for sure, but he's dealing with a rib injury. I don't have a time frame exactly how long he's going to be missing or if he missed any time at all. But the way it looked and him getting off the field, it didn't look too good, so he's likely to miss some time. Now, Jarvis Landry dealing with a knee injury. It's unfortunate the Browns are losing another wide receiver, being that we haven't seen Odell Beckham suit up for a regular season game yet. Now Jarvis Landry is dealing with a knee injury, and we've seen Jarvis get used all over the field. Red zone, he's taking carries, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're losing that on the Browns offense. So that's very unfortunate as well. Next up. Everybody was celebrating to have Justin Fields on the field, but it was at the expense of Andy Dalton tweaking his knee on a non-contact injury, running out of balance. It looked really awkward and not too sure what happened, but not too sure also on the time frame that he may miss. But he came back out, and then he went right at, back into the locker room, so it looked like it was more serious than Andy Dalton thought. So Justin Fields is the starting quarterback now, and most likely how I see this playing out, Matt Nagy's probably going to bench Andy Dalton now because Justin Fields probably going to look good. He's going to be able to put up points, et cetera, et cetera. It makes no sense to rip the rookie out if he's playing good, if he's hot, if he's getting the reps, he's getting the knowledge, he's knowing the playbook a little bit more better. He's not developing bad habits, which is something you want, you know, your rookie quarterbacks to just go out there and kind of just get in the mud, you know, go out there with the Sharks and actually produce and be good. And I think Justin Fields will be that rookie quarterback. So, Moving on to another injury, which was unfortunate, man. Tyrod Taylor faced injury with a hamstring. Uh, he's already called out a week three that he won't be there. It's just unfortunate because it was on a like on a run on the touchdown run, him scrambling out, and uh, it just didn't look good for Tyrod Taylor. He knew as soon as he scored the touchdown, he went down. He's a little emotional about it, but yeah, Tyrod Taylor out for week three confirmed with the hamstring injury. So here's another one that I was very, very frustrated about because it was at the end of the game. He didn't need to be on the field. But Deontay Johnson, man, hurt his knee on the end of the play. It was just a useless play. He should have been on the sideline. He should have just been, you know, already in the locker room, like on his way home type ordeal. It was just like the very last play of the game. He hurt his knee. He was on the sideline. He's looking a little emotional as well, holding his knee. The injury just was uh, – God, man, Deontay Johnson, we all are pushing for him for our fantasy rosters, but I'm pushing for him because of how electric he is as a Pittsburgh Steeler, as a wide receiver. He's looking like he's getting the volume that Antonio Brown was getting, and it's like, oh, man, you know, they, they it was just so dumb to have him on the field. He didn't need to be there, but again, let me calm down. Moving on to Darrell Henderson, he's facing a rib injury as well. He went out late in the third quarter. Not too sure how long he's going to be out as well. But Sonny Michelle was able to step in and take some reps and be able to get used to that Rams offense. So I'll jump into Sonny Michelle a little bit later in the show. But Darrell Henderson's facing a rib injury, which is unfortunate because he was already looking like he can handle the full workload. He was get catching passes out of backfield, scoring touchdowns, being the goal back, et cetera, et cetera. But now... He'll be sidelined with a rib injury and not too sure in that time frame. Moving on to another running back that was injured. He was a hot commodity last week. A lot of fab money spent on him. Elijah Mitchell dealing with a shoulder injury. Not too sure in the time frame on that as well. Now, Hasty came in. He was able to take some touches. He was able to find the end zone, et cetera, et cetera. But Mitchell got hurt basically on a touchdown that got called back. So it kind of wasn't worth it. Now he's dealing with a shoulder injury, so I'm not too sure on time frame. So he'll be sidelined probably for a couple weeks.
Now I want to jump into some first look pickups. Some guys you need to be go getting on the waiver wire as soon as you can. KJ Osborne from the Vikings wide receiver is definitely my number one priority this week. If I'm looking for wide receiver depth, if I'm looking for, you know, a guy that's getting the volume in a, I'll say a great offense. I'm not going to say a good or bad offense because they look good on Sunday. So I definitely think, you know, KJ is an ad for me, being that he's going to be able to find the end zone as well. He's playing in the slide. He's able to get open, nice separation, great hands. I definitely like KJ to be on my roster as a depth piece. He could possibly be a flex play because back-to-back weeks, he's put up two double-digit points. And it's like, man, if I can get a guy like that for the cheap, cheap, and he's on my you know, my bench as a roster in like a plug and play guy that's going to be on a bye week or if I face injury or if my wide receivers just suck right now. KJ could be a nice plug and play guy. So he's definitely the ad this week. Now the next guy I got, Sony Michelle. I mentioned him earlier with Darrell Henderson facing injury. This is a no brainer here. Now the Rams are a high power offense, ton of scoring opportunities. So Sony Michelle is definitely a nice plug and play. If you are a Hendo guy who have him on your roster, you must be going to get Sony Michelle at all costs so you don't miss a beat. Hendo is putting up a lot of fantasy points, finding the end zone as well. Sony Michelle getting into the fourth quarter, he looked good as well, making some plays, getting some you know looks out of the backfield as well. So it's looking like it's just a toss-up of who can do the job. The job is just there. It's a plug and play. So I think Sony Michelle is a no-brainer as a pickup this week. If you haven't already, go ahead and pick him up. It could be a solid, you know, flex play RB2, low end RB2. I'm not going to full send him just yet. But again, if you lose Hendo, you can just go pick up Sonny Michelle off the waivers and be a nice plug and play. Now, Jermichael Hasty is definitely a pickup, especially if Mitchell is hurt. That system just looks good on any running back. I definitely think Hasty will be able to come in, handle the 19 plus touches, handle the passes out of backfield, handle the goal line of duty as well. So this is a clear plug and play. You want all parts of that San Francisco running back room? Not I, you know, as a Rams fan. I just don't want to deal with the headache week to week of who's the guy. Now, next up, this is crazy. Cordero Patterson getting touches out of the backfield as if he's a starting running back like RB1 over Mike Davis. Now, Mike Davis ended up getting more carries, but Patterson just simply looked better out of backfield. And he's catching passes as if he's a wide receiver. I need this dual hybrid threat on my roster as a depth piece. He could be a running back depth piece. He could be a wide receiver depth piece. He can easily be in my flex position handling both roles. So he's going to find a way to get involved. The volume is there for him running the volume is there for him catching as well. So I think he's getting the leg up on Davis and he's getting the leg up on Gage. This is crazy. Like Patterson is relevant in 2021. He definitely is an ad if you need the depth at running back or wide receiver. Now let's get into some chaos. So we're going to be hitting that panic button on some of these players. Now, I don't want to go too crazy full sending where we're cutting these guys or, you know, anything like that. Now you may be wanting to trade these guys or they're going to be hitting the bench, but it's too early to be trying to cut these guys. I think we need to wait and see. So some of these guys, I'm just going to be giving you my levels between one through 10 with my concern if we're going to be hitting that panic button. So let's start with Miles Gaskins. Now, Miles Gaskins, honestly, these last two weeks, I haven't been liking what I'm seeing with him as my RB2 or in my flex position. Now, two weeks in a row, less than 10 carries. What's going on? He's supposed to be this workhorse that we're able to get in the fifth and sixth round. I know he's fending off the Malcolm Brown and everything like that and Ahmed as well. But man, 
two weeks in a row, less than 10 carries, that's not looking like a workhorse to me. Not saying that these other running backs are taking his touches. It's just that they're not running the ball enough for him to be fantasy relevant. Now, back-to-back weeks with, you know, eight, nine points, it's like, come on, man. It's very unfortunate. And I'm not going to say that this Tua injury affects him 100%. But Jacoby Brissett at the starting quarterback, it brings less opportunity for him to score. So Gaskin's not looking like a great option right now. I'm not saying to go trade him, but there may be some weeks that he's going to be hitting my bench. And two missing time, I'm not too sure how long that's going to be. It may not be a lot of scoring opportunity. They just went 35-0 to zero against the Bills. So it's like, mm, not looking good for Gaskins for his next couple of weeks. So might have to hit the bench. I'm not going to trade just yet. I just need to find the time frame between two and his injury and how long he's going to miss. And hopefully we can see, you know, the team lean on Gaston because he does have the PPR upside. You know, he has 10 targets in the last two weeks, nine catches. So it's there. The points are there, but the majority of his points has come from PPR, man. It's like, come on, bro. We, we need some carries out of you. We need some touchdowns out of you. We need some type of scoring upside for him to be fantasy relevant, especially if he's our RB2. Now, next up, we're getting into the crazy drama in San Fran. Trey Sermon, oh, my God, his first carry, he fumbles it. Then he was punished. We're never, you know, He was never heard from again. I definitely think, you know, my concern will be a level six here, level seven, really. It's it's pretty high. My, my concern for Trey Sermon is high only for the simple fact that he already was a healthy scratch in, in week one. And then he didn't really get involved until later in the game to where his first carry ended up being a fumble. It's like, ah, come on, Sermon. So I think right now he'll see my bench. I'm not cutting him just yet. I still have faith in the system. I still have faith in him. And I definitely think, you know, Trey Sermon healthy, he has to get his opportunities, right? He has to touch the ball sometime. He's not going to be benched if Mitchell's hurt. If Mostert's out, Jeff Wilson's still hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you 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 just gotta you just gotta chalk it up, man. You gotta hold on to Sermon just a little bit longer. I'm not cutting him just yet. I'm not trading him just yet. I just still want parts of that backfield if I'm going to make the decision to have a San Francisco running back as a flex play, then A. I'm gonna keep on to whatever I have. So my level of concern is at a seven. Now moving on to the next guy that was supposed to be a fifth round, you know, high end RB2, you know basically like a RB1 some weeks, Mike Davis for the Falcons, and then you got Cardell Patterson taking all the touches, all the relevant touches, I have to say. Mike Davis just does not look good. He does not look good in that Falcons offense. He does not look good, you know, trying to catch passes out of the backfield. He's blocking majority of the time. Patterson's coming in as the new hot guy. That's the running back wide receiver hybrid. I, I don't know what to do with Mike Davis, but he will be strictly played off of matchups. My level of concern based on what his price was is an eight. Moving forward, I cannot put him in starting lineups confident to think that he's going to put up big points with the offense just looks bad. Matt Ryan looks terrible. I know they made a, a comeback somewhat against the Bucks, but Matt Ryan was doing very, very weird things in the beginning of the first half, and Mike Davis wasn't helping at all. So, Mike Davis, you get the bench until further notice, basically. So, moving on to Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley, everybody was panicking, you know, week one. He didn't get that many touches. My level of concern off the bat is at a one. Is that a one for the simple fact that he burst off for a 41-yard run against Washington? I definitely think he has that home run ability still in him. I'm not worried about the injury, but 
come on, guys. We already knew the first three weeks that he was going to be on the short lease, that they were going to kind of hold him back. I'm not tripping off of Saquon Barkley until we see him in week four where the workload is expanded and he gets the full, you know, the full send. I'm definitely expecting him to have like 20 touches again this season. I'm not panicking too crazy. I'm not going to be going all out saying, oh, Saquon Barkley on the trade block. Like, no, 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 no. He has the home run ability for him to bust off for that 41-yard run. That lets me know everything I know. It only takes one touch for Barkley to take it to the house. He's a freak athlete, so I'm going to pump the brakes. My level of concern is a level one. Not hitting the panic button at all. Level one for Saquon Barkley. Hold tight. Hold tight. If you want to bench him next week, go ahead. Go ahead. But if he busts off for another 40-yarder and it ends up being a touchdown, you're going to be kicking yourself. You're going to be kicking yourself. So last up for the panic button, Zeke, he had 71 yards. I definitely think what I mentioned earlier that both these running backs can coexist. I'm not panicking about Zeke, only for the simple fact that Zeke is also another freak athlete who has that home run ability. Now, Tony Pollard getting the touches doesn't really bother me that much. But if I'm going to be honest with myself, being that the price that we spent on Zeke, my level of concern is probably at like a five. Halfway, I'm not too crazy about it, but it is in the back of my mind. There might be weeks where Zeke has the better matchup, but Tony Pollard takes advantage of it. That's definitely on the table. That's more, you know, so of like a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt situation where they both can coexist, but Nick Chubb ends up benefiting off of the, you know, the matchup. So, again, there could be times where Tony Pollard could end up being the guy, but, hey, I'm not too concerned about Zeke. I'm not jumping ship. Level level five. Level five. Let's go with that. Level five, I'm not tripping off of Zeke. I think he is still a freak athlete as well with the home run ability. And look, a ton of scoring opportunities for both these running backs with Dak throwing like 450 yards every game. Come on, man. What are we really talking about? Zeke, the freak, is going to be fine. It's only week two, not panicking whatsoever going into week three. So that wraps it up. Another great show of the fantasy football picks and bets. Make sure you guys hit the link in the bio. Sign up today to prizepicks.com. Use promo code MMN and you guys will be matched at 100 bucks. So please sign up today. It's not too late. Week three is on the way. Hopefully you guys like and subscribe and I'll see you guys next week for another great episode. Peace.